1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester Israel podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host Rich Fay, and on today's episode we'll look back at the weekend draw of West Brom as United's hearts were broken on Valentine's Day. We'll look ahead to the game against, against Real Soestad in the Europa League. Yeah, I've been saving that one, don't worry. Uh, I'm, wil- I'm <laughs> delighted to be joined today by Samuel Luckers. I was wilting like a bunch of red roses in that rain
0: yesterday, Rich.
1: Yeah, like a like, late dash to the garage, wasn't it really? <laughs> a United's performance. So uh, Tyrone, <laughs> nice to have you back as well.
0: Thank you, Rich. I would say that ruined my Valentine's Day, but to be honest, in the current circumstances, it didn't take a poor Manchester United game to, to ruin anyone's Valentine's Day, I don't think, did it? No, it wasn't really. Uh, yeah, it was maybe United's uh, performance was- sort of indictment of the,
1: the scenario we're in at the moment but a uh, game against West Brom I mean we said I know we're going to keep sort of referring to this one we said on a few weeks back on the podcast you know the, the game against Sheffield United at home was as certain of a United win as it could be West Brom away should have been as well but it just says a lot about this United side that you just won't back them against any of the small teams at the moment and Samuel Lidrell against West Brom you know after the game there was and I'm sure we'll come on to it some complaints about the refereeing the official's But who cares? That's not good enough. It's United away against West Brom, an awful West Brom side as well a team who aren't in good form, they're not a team who have been revived by dice really, United didn't win, they should have won, they've got no excuses other than themselves. You're absolutely right to
2: lament the amount of lamenting that was going on about the officials when you're carping on about referee's decision having just dropped points away at West Brom, you, you're kind of giving it away really that this this team doesn't have the mettle to go as far as many Manchester United fans would, would like them to go, I think that's been the suspicion all along, uh, we, we've spoken about it ad nauseum, that the manner of their their favoured manner of, of victories and these narrow gritty wins was always going to be unsustainable and I think that the last of those really against Fulham that was at the halfway point and when you've got when you're only at that stage it's it's very unlikely that you're ever going to be credible challenges for the title and I suspect because this was this is a freakish season in a lot of ways. A lot of people thought, well, maybe United can ride out the squad deficiencies, but normality has returned in the shape of Manchester City, and I think it always felt different with City, uh, their form, just how ominous they've they've been playing as well, and that's why I've always been personally reluctant to say United are outright challengers. And I know Solskjaer was saying after the game that they they're not giving up on 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 the title, but. Effectively, they have. Uh, I think their race is run now. It's, the points gap is is too much at this stage of the season. Um, it, it was just that, that game on Sunday, as, as Ty said before we came on air here, there, there wasn't really a narrative to it. It just confirmed what everybody knew about United, that they don't have the defenders to challenge for the league. They are a top-quality midfielder short. They are a top-quality forward short as well. Those were the key positions that went... Unstrengthened, if unstrengthened is even a word, uh, in the last transfer window. And those are the areas that they need to reinforce in the summer if they are to become credible challengers. Uh, I mean, it was interesting watching Solskjaer going from broadcaster to broadcaster after the game. He was chuckling away and seemed quite sanguine with, with the result and was having having a jovial chat with, with Allardyce as well, because ultimately United did did move up to second in the table. And if they do finish second this season... I think there'll be a lot of people at the club, the majority um, at the club, who will see this as as a progressive campaign. But there are so many, as as is always the case in football, there's so many nuances and, and an awful lot can happen over the, the next three months that will decide how how people feel about this current United side.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's going to be a lot of mitigation to determine the mood around Old Trafford. Uh, Ty, Samuel pointed upon it then, that there, there are issues in defence in midfield and uh, up front, really, for United, uh, the full package for them on Sunday. For, for you, Time, what was the main contribution to, to, to United's draw? Because for me, as well, as Samuel mentioned earlier, even that win at Fulham, United conceded really early on there as well. And there was this trait at the start of the season where United were conceding early on, coming back to win. And it was almost seen as, oh, that's the only way United could win. That is a huge warning sign is the warning sign that I haven't addressed and that's a warning sign that they haven't overcome they look lost for ideas to get that second goal they can get the first one but they don't look quite there to
0: to then transform these going behind into wins for you what was the biggest issue though (sighs) um well uh, firstly actually on on predictions you mentioned predictions before you'd be pleased to know it's not only us that are finding it impossible to predict this football team I was watching MUTV pre-match and they had Danny Weber predicting a 5-0 win to United, Brian Robson a 4-1 to United and Wes Brown a 3-0 to United. So it wasn't difficult to work out which uh, which TV station they were working for. And I think a few of them had egg on their faces come, uh, come full time. Um, I-, I think the two biggest issues, I would say, are in a- a- attack and, well, I mean, defence probably is the long term concern there. They did not defend that well. It was striking that basically what Solskjaer had told the broadcasters pretty much about how they should combat an side, United did the opposite. I mean, presumably he's told the same message to his players and they've just not listened in the first two minutes. It was almost like they weren't aware of how a Sam team plays football. I mean, I think Lindelof has got a case for a foul, undoubtedly. There's a bit of an elbow in the back of his head and, and an arm across his face. But, you know, you need him to be stronger. Solskjaer didn't make too much of that post-match, certainly not as much as as Harry Maguire. And I think Lindelof's case is stronger if he ever shows any inclination to try and win the header, which I don't think he did. He was more concerned with De on the back of him than actually trying to go and and win the header. And also, I mean, it's it's De Gea's ball for me. There's so much height on that cross. You know, it it goes up a long way in the air. De Gea has a clear view of it from the moment at least the, the midfielder's foot. Any commanding goalkeeper should be sticking a big call on that. And you don't have to catch it, but just punch it. Punch it 15, 20 yards clear. And regroup and go again. And the fact he was rooted to his line, I think, invited the pressure that, that came on Lindelof. So I think defensively, there's a concern. They make bad decisions defensively. I mean, Maguire absolutely got away with one when he went down under pressure from Diagne in the second half, who probably should have scored. And De Gea, to his credit, did make a massive save. It It felt like Maguire had just gambled there that if he hits the floor, all defenders will get a free kick, but he didn't. And there wasn't a great deal in it particularly. So I think long term, the defensive issues are probably more stark. The midfield setup was wrong with Fred and McTominay playing there, but I don't think Matic offers any more in a game like that. And you're probably hamstrung by Van der Beek's lack of form and impact so far. Really, you probably want him playing in one of those two positions in a game like this, but United clearly don't trust him to do that at the moment. The fact that he only got ten minutes in a game where the creativity was non-existent was was pretty telling, really, and, and it just exposed sort of the the risk of losing Pogba this summer and what he what he brings to a team in a game like this, especially. I know you probably don't want your ninety million pound midfielder to be winning your games against West Brom, but that's that's the situation United were in yesterday, and they lacked any real creativity from midfield. Fernandez was pretty woeful for 89 minutes and 90 and 59 seconds really and produced an absolutely incredible goal which we've seen him do plenty of times previously but I don't think he's played well for a, a few weeks now I think he's been below par and it, it shows it's kind of back to the United we saw in January last year when there was just a complete lack of creativity and I know I don't want to make this a pick on Harry Maguire podcast. I'm sure he's not listening anyway, but you know, he said post match that you can't come here and create ten chances. And I think there was a stat afterwards that every other top side has created ten chances against West Brom this season and United you know, United basically I, don't know, I think they created two maybe three off the top me. Of yeah. You know, they, they did not do enough to test and, and even their
1: goal wasn't a chance
0: necessarily, it was a moment of magic. No, it was a moment, so, was a moment yeah. of genius. Um, which you can't be reliant on Bruno Fernandes producing moments of of genius. None of the front three had a great game. Cavani couldn't get in the match. And, you know, the creativity was lacking, but you'd expect Fernandes to return to form. That's a short-term issue. Pogba comes back, the midfield offers a bit more. That's probably a short-term issue. The biggest concern long-term has got to be defensively, I think, for me. I'm going to ask you
1: a question, maybe just a short answer to this one then, Ty. Uh, Do you think United would have won if and
0: Henderson were, were, were starting? Um... Baye, I think Baye would have made a difference in terms of, I think United could have played a higher line. I don't think they can play a high line with Maguire and Lindelof because neither are blessed with great pace. And I think they know that and drop a bit deeper. When you're dropping deep against an Analyze team, it just invites balls into the box. Henderson, I'm not sure. There's probably not a great deal in it between the two at the moment. It does feel a bit like, certainly on, on social media, that Henderson versus De Gea is, is United's culture war at the moment. And you're either firmly in, in one camp or another and you know every time I mention Henderson deserving a chance you get messages about an agenda and you know it, it seems to be the, yeah. the culture war of the moment that it's we're out to get De Gea in and give Henderson a chance but I think it's just common sense that on De Gea's recent form Henderson deserves the opportunity and, and De Gea's been a world-class goalkeeper for United but I think the role of the goalkeeper has changed in the, the years he's been at the club and I don't think he's a particularly modern goalkeeper with the ball at his feet or with his command of the area and Henderson might not be much better in that role either but we just don't know at the moment and it does feel like we kind of you know need, need to find out I mean De Gea was not the man most at fault yesterday but I do think most Premier League goalkeepers would have come and cleared that cross for the goal.
1: Yeah of course it's going to be interesting to see how that one sort of resolved in the next few months and you know we've plenty about uh, what it could mean for Henderson's long-term future as well if he doesn't get that that trust now really in the next few games. Samuel you mentioned that, that you know United's form the last few weeks has been poor I saw one uh, argument on social media you know if United had beaten Everton had beaten Sheffield United and had beaten West Brom they would be level on points with Man City right now but they're not uh, they are well off the pace. But do you think it's just inevitable United were going to drop off anyway? Because there is that argument. Yeah. Of course, there's an argument saying if they won this game, this game, this game, they would be there. If they won another game, maybe if they'd beaten Crystal Palace in the opening the day, they'd be top. But it doesn't work like that. And United's maybe fall away. It, it, it seemed inevitable for a while now. No, that's that's just a
2: bogus argument. It's probably one that's been put forward by someone who thinks that we have a, an, an agenda against a being in goal. I mean, it, it was strange yesterday, a chap in front of me, Um, he told me that he follows me which is a bit weird to hear anyway even though you're in a press box and as we were getting talking he said oh you don't like the hair do you I said no it's not the case at all I just don't think he's been particularly good over the last two years and United have a goalkeeper they think can be their future number one so you need to give him a sustained run to show whether he's up to it or whether he's not up to it Ben Foster had that run at the start of the 2009-10 season showed he wasn't up to it he was sold the next summer it's about giving Henderson a chance when the current goalkeeper is not playing particularly well it's the point uh, where Not worried as such, but sometimes you think twice about even criticising De Gea because you've got these nutjobs online who think that you're a rexiteering British person and you only want British players playing, which is complete claptrap anyway. What you feel objectively is who should be playing deserving of a chance for United. And Romero was deserving of playing in the semi-finals last season. He's from Argentina. Dean Henderson is deserving of, of starting more games for United at the moment. He's from from England that's that's just how it works it's it's beyond comprehension that some some of these people out there actually think that us as journalists think now which one is from England oh he is right i want him to play which one's the one from africa or uh, continental europe We don't want him playing it, funnily enough, it really doesn't work like that. Um, and you've also, and the, the counterpoint to it is obviously I, I have my correspondents occasionally from Scandinavians who can't understand why I don't think Victor Lindelof is particularly good. Funnily enough, I, I didn't get a, an email from anyone in Sweden. Uh, or Norway this morning after what happened at the Hawthorns. But, I mean, going I, I digress slightly, but going back to your point, I, I just, I, I never saw United as genuine challengers. I think there's probably one season of the, thir- the 13 times they won the league under Ferguson where, going into it, you didn't really think they were going to be challengers, and that was in 2006-07, because Chelsea had won the league two seasons on the trot. they bought Balak, they bought Shevchenko, van Nistelrooy left United there was the Ronaldo Rooney fallout at the World Cup Ronaldo wanted out but then of course I think for all the two weeks of that season they were top but it was in October when they went to Bolton who coincidentally were managed by Sam Allardyce at the time and were notoriously difficult to play against they always bullied Arsenal and that was back when Arsenal weren't quite as bad or as walkovers as they they would become under Wenger. And United went there and batted them 4-0, and that was, I think, in mid-October. And at that point, you knew United were going to be challengers. That was the message sent out that they are there to stay they're going to be pushing Chelsea all the way and of course they went on and won it. United have not had a single result like that this season. Their most impressive result or results um, in terms of the the overall performance have been in the Champions League and they got knocked out of that the group stage which was against Paris Saint-Germain away. They've not had a result in the Premier League apart from obviously the Southampton one is just stood out because of the sheer remarkable nature of it winning 9-0 but they've not had a statement result and they really needed one of those statement results it might have been at Anfield and at the time I thought a point at Anfield was a pretty good result but every week that that draw that, draw, that result seems to get worse because Liverpool's form has, has fallen off a cliff but at the time I maintained I thought that was a very creditable um, point that I got on that day but in retrospect Maybe they needed to actually get the win. They needed for Pogba to take that chance, or Fernandez to take that chance. That Allison stopped and and, and won that game to make everybody genuinely believe that they could win the league. And I just think that this one shot scenario of going for the title this season has has gone now. Even though it, it can, it is unpredictable and things can change. I just think that's it for the United now.
1: Yeah, uh, Ty, you mentioned it before, you know, that the midfield setup against West Brom was one which is a bit lackluster and you know, from from the kickoff, you were you're wondering why they went with that that selection of of Fred and McTominay. You, you mentioned as well, you know, Pogba's future. I know you yeah, know it's a bingo card, check that one off. We've mentioned it. Uh, but there's a very realistic chance he's gonna leave this summer. Okay, yeah. the financial situation, the pandemic, there's there's a lot of mitigation as well. But you know, if Pogba leaves this summer, what can you actually, United actually do? Because they might only have room in the budget to get one marquee signing, if any. You, you say that's we've got to be in defence or maybe up front instead. And then the midfield, this midfield, which already looks lacklustre now, loses the player who's made such a difference this calendar year. What can United actually do now to their midfield to, to change things up? Because it's gone from the position which we used to say was by far and away the strongest area on the pitch to one which has now got a question mark next to it as well.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, if he does go, if Pogba does go with this summer, I think we all expect him to, then replacing him, will depend partly on the fee they get but even I think reinvesting that fee in other areas is more of a priority I think the biggest hope is that van der Beek looks better for a first season at at the club with which there is every chance he will do I mean you know it's not a dud United have signed van der Beek is a brilliant footballer an extremely intelligent footballer at the moment he looks like a player who doesn't really fit into how United want to play he just looks kind of out of tune with with his team really. And he's I mean he's a very different number 10 to Fernandez when he plays that role, which which I think affects the team. But you know, I, I do think he'll be better for a season at the club and having a full preseason. I mean the preseason United have had was a complete shambles, wasn't it? I think it's hugely impressive that United and City both had such a disrupted preseason of basically a couple of days in a first and second in the league. I, I do think that speaks volumes for For both clubs. But yeah, I mean, if Pogba does go, I think your best hope is just that Van der Beek looks better for a season. I I think there's more pressing areas such as centre defence and also right wing. I mean, there's been a lot sort of mentioned recently about the form of, of the front three and Martial and Rashford in particular. Martial to me just looks like a player totally out of form. Rashford looks more sort of short on confidence, I would say. He's still having moments in games, but his finishing has come back to being a little bit wayward and he has a moment in a game and then he's not seen for ten minutes or so. But I think it's I think he's he's paying the price more than any other player for United's failure to sign a right winger that could go straight into the team last summer, I think. I mean he's barely started two games in the same position in that front three and he's the man who whatever combination that front three plays, unless Greenwood is involved, Rashford's the one who's always shoehorned into an uncomfortable position to fit everyone in. Uh, I think three of the last six games now, he's moved from right to left or left to right during a game when a sub comes on. And, you know, he's the player who is is shunted about to make room for Cavani and Martial to to fit into that system. And I don't think it's any great surprise as a result of that. He's lost confidence. The attack, that front three, the best balance of that front three for me is Greenwood, Rashford and Cavani. But we've seen Solskjaer won't start the same front three every week. Rotation has been a big part of his plan this season. And I think it's pretty clear he won't, he won't play a front three consistently for five, six, seven games, but there's no doubt for me, that's the best balance. And I think some of Rashford's issues, I and mean, when we say issues, he's still on for his best goal scoring campaign again at the club, I think. So he, he's doing something right this season, but he does look, you know, he does look like he's, he's sort of short on confidence and out of touch at the moment. But I think a lot of that is just because he's being, he's being shunted around from pillar to post and, and, doesn't know what his role is. When he plays on the left, it's a completely different role that he plays on the left to the right. He's not one of these that you can play from either side. He just looks so much more dangerous from the left-hand side, I think. And I think he's the one that that's paying the price for failing to sign A, Jaden Sancho, or B, a short-term alternative last season. Yeah,
1: it'd be interesting to see uh, how Solskjaer mixes it up for Sociedad in... Or oh, i say midweek, Thursday night. I'm not sure it really does count as midweek. Uh, Samuel, the Europa League is on horizon. Yip, yip, hooray. Uh, Thursday to Sunday turnover is back as well. Sociedad, you know, it's the type of team where we've seen United like, struggle. You know, those sort of difficult, tricky sides who play in a, in, in a good league and, you know, they come with nothing to lose at all. They've got some good wingers. They have a good striker in Alexander Isaac as well. What are you expecting from United Associates? Of course, the first legs in Turin this week. I know the, the basketball club aren't happy with that. But United, you know, the pressure is always going to be on them in the Europa League because they are the big dogs in the competition. What do you expect from United?
2: Well, it's it's interesting how the dynamic is slightly changed since when the draw was made in the because United were their position in the league was quite auspicious and they w- were just about to embark on that that pretty good run in the league because all, although their unbeaten run in the league I think it was over 13 games started with the Everton match in early November it's almost as if you draw a line after that that defeat to Leipzig when when they went out the Champions League and, and how they responded to that setback that that stands out more than the sequence, which obviously took in those those wins over Southampton and West Ham. I think Sociedad were top of La Liga at the time. They're fifth now at the moment. They're probably probably not going to qualify for the Champions League next season unless they win the Europa League. But United, irrespective of where United were at the time of the draw, I mean, any suggestion that they should be picky about this is, is, is completely nonsense. There's, they've not won a trophy since 2017. Solskjaer desperately needs a trophy whether it's the FA Cup or the Europa League or both Um, if he can win one of them then that buys him more time that defines the season as a success probably I think we can you know just kind of dismiss the manner of Louis van Gaal sacking in in 2016 when he was driven out of Carrington two days after United won the FA Cup the football was dire that season it was so soporific the players were not happy. That the, the mood around the club now is completely different. It's it's like night and day comparing the mood at the club now to the mood under Van Gaal. So it's not like there should be a clamour to sack the manager two days after the FA Cup final if United do win it. But of course, when you go back to 2012, I mean, United were in the enviable position where they could toss it off in the Europa League and just concentrate on the Premier League because they were genuine title challengers back then. They were always expected to to compete for the league in the last years, that's that's just not the case anymore. So they, they, they have to treat it seriously. There's there's bound to be an element of rotation, but it's just a case of getting that balance right. OK, Penderson should come in. Mason Greenwood should come in. Van der Beek really does need to get going. I thought West Brom could have been a big moment for him in that it's a game he should be starting in if he was performing. He clearly wasn't trusted to and I kind of sympathise with Solskjaer, with the midfield he went with, because what was the alternative? You couldn't play van der Beek. But given they've got Solskjaer and then it's Newcastle at home, Newcastle at home is another game that you think you do not need McTominay and Fred. It's a game for van der Beek to start to back up Fernandez. If, if Fernandez can't you know, crack the code, then you've got a pretty good lock picker there in, in van der Beek to back him up. So it's a pretty big week for him, just, just on a personal level and, If he's in the same position uh, in in a week's time, then there's going to be even more concern about his his suitability as a United player. There have been a number of cases of Players come into big English clubs and taken a year to settle. Burkamp and Pires are standout examples more recently. I'm tempted to say Fabinho, but I thought Fabinho was excellent in in Mourinho's last game, Nice manager, when when they lost 3-1 at Anfield. So I don't think he necessarily took a year to settle, but there have been a lot of other players who have certainly taken 12
1: months, even longer. And and Solskjaer said Fred and Lindelof himself, didn't he? He referenced those. You'd you'd expect Van der Witte better than those two. but.
2: They're probably the more relevant examples. I'm pr- trying to maybe be a bit, a bit obscure with thinking of who's in my Panini sticker albums when I was younger <laughs> or something like that. Uh, but that it does feel as though Underbeek is to have an impact this season. It has to be, he, he's got to get going before the March Internationals come in because when they come in, I mean, he's in fairness to him he's been pretty quiet so far he's not kicked off a lot of players go away on international duty speaking their mother tongue and they they cut loose and complain about this that or the other at their club so it it will be interesting to see how Soskiar handles it because he's he's adamant that the title race isn't over i think a lot of people would disagree with him on that so how he manages that thursday sunday Dilemma, which is a dilemma for us as well. Just covering it mentally, you don't feel right getting up the next day and it being a Friday, and then you've got a weekend game coming up as well to to cover. But United have got to go for it now. They've got to treat it more seriously than the draw was made. And even when the draw was made, they had to take it pretty seriously
1: because they they just can't be picky with competitions. Yeah, they've got to embrace the situation they they find themselves in. Ty, in terms of the team selection on Thursday night, of course, the fact that it's two-legged adds into that. Do you you go stronger in the first leg or stronger in the second leg? Who knows? Do you try to kill the game off straight away? There's a lot of uh, sort of circumstance which will play into it. Uh, I mean, we've all sort of spoken earlier. We would all, I guess, want to see Henderson start and maybe change his defence and his field as well. What type of team would you go for?
0: I would make a few changes. I think United have got enough about them to certainly make a few changes. Solskjaer was actually asked about the Europa League in the Sunday section of his press conference head of the weekend and he kind of hinted that there'd be more changes over a first leg. He, he said, you know, we'll be making changes for the competition, kind of use it as a challenge to players to, to put their case forward, although it really seems to make a difference if, if people do play well. And he did say that we've got you know the second leg available if things don't go to plan to to try and rescue the situation. So you'd imagine there'll be changes. Van der Beek is an obvious one. He should be starting European games. If anything's going to suit at the moment, it's a European game. Henderson should be playing. Telez should be playing. Baye should be playing. Probably bring Matic in as well. So I think there's enough there in terms of changes. Greenwood, again, will start. You'd imagine. United can probably play, bring in those, how did I mention there, five five players without significantly weakening the starting eleven you would say it becomes a risk if you're going down to to people like you know playing Daniel James from the start. Um well Samuel talked uh, about Rondon being Williams.
1: uh players from your country too much earlier on. Don't don't get start <laughs>
0: on Daniel James. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean James would deserve some minutes, but there's no doubt it's a risk. There's more of a drop off with playing players like that than there is with playing you know, Greenwood is the the third member of, there's, there's obviously four players in that front three who play regularly. And then there's James and Mata. Um And again, it would make sense, we haven't mentioned him yet, but it would make sense to have Ahmad on the bench as well with the option of five substitutes available. I can't see how he gets a game at the moment in the Premier League when you've only got three subs as an option. But I think the FA Cup was an obvious game to put him on the bench for. And I think Europe is as well in that if somehow United are 3-0 up, in Italy against a Spanish team on, on Thursday night, then there's a good chance to, to bring him on for 10 minutes and give him his debut.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, you can sense that as maybe what they want to do uh, against West Ham, but the way the game yeah. panned out, there was, there was never the chance to do it. Interesting, you said Mata as well there, Ty. I think he, you know, obviously I'm not saying he's the missing link, he should be starting, but I think that his his telepathy really with Bruno, Fernandez, and, and mm. Landerbeek really does. Maybe suit those two, and yeah. when you're trying to crack awkward teams down as well. I'd like to see matt given a bit, a few more minutes, maybe in the last ten minutes when you really are struggling.
0: Well, that's Sheffield like tonight, to that Sheffield United game, I think me and Samuel were both saying when we were there that it, it felt like a game Matter could come on in, and he spent an awful lot of it warming up, and then he didn't come on, and since then he's not made a bench. I don't think so. Certainly not in the Premier League. So it seems a you know a bit of a, a random one that it, that did feel like a game where his invention and creativity creativity would make a difference. And that was probably the case at the weekend as well, really. You know, United couldn't create any clear chances yeah. at all against West Brom. And someone like Matter will certainly help with that. So it does seem slightly unusual that he's not on the bench when, you know, Daniel James, really, in the Premier League, is just... A waste of a substitute i think
1: yeah until so game—he
0: played three minutes as a sub i think uh spoiler alert matter will be getting mentioned
2: in wednesday's zoom call just to ask you know what's, what's happened yeah. Yeah. yeah because yeah. So, he hasn't it. said he's injured at all and it would feel uh, i don't think he's appeared in training pictures or anything so there's there's probably an explanation behind it but the, the club
1: aren't the most uh most transparent and football clubs yeah. so we'll either get a Juan Mata injury update or Juan Mata could be the game changer United need against Real yes, Sociedad yes. <laughs> i i get some. but uh, Samuel in terms of the team selection would you agree with Ty I mean it's been it's been an issue for Solskjaer this season the, the amount of changes he does make because sometimes you can put one or two too many and the tempo and the rhythm does does sort of suffer but against Sociedad there is a, maybe one of the last few chances even this season to, to give some of those fringe players a start.
2: Yes but you can't underestimate Sociedad either given that they are fifth in the league I think and United just can't they can't toss it off in Europa League it's it's a pity for Sociedad that they can't play at home I, I think that this is becoming quite ridiculous this whole the amount of emails I've got over the last week or so from UEFA about this game being changed to a neutral venue and that game it must be half a dozen fixtures of been switched to a neutral venue maybe more across the champions league and the europa league it's getting to the point where you might as well just play one-off games uh, because it's, it's not fair on the teams who who can't play on their home ground even if they don't have their supporters there there is it is it is their home there is a sense of, of familiarity about it you uh, it'll be interesting just from a yeah, perspective having it's not a humble brag. It'll be coming out as a podcast later this week. But I did interview Adnan Januzaj this week, and it'll just be interesting to see how how he fares against United, given that amid their issues with the right wing in that position in recent years, Januzaj is playing there for Sociedad. At one point, it looked like that was going to be his long term role for United, but then Louis Van Gaal arrived and things things changed for him uh, in a pretty pretty unappealing way. Uh, so. And, of course, it's it's David Silver coming up against United as well after tormenting them on, on countless occasions for, for Manchester City over a 10-year period or so. So I, I don't really think that Soskiar can get away with making a hell of a lot of changes. I think he, he's going to have to restrict himself to maybe... I mean, Ty said... Greenwood yet Henderson by Vanderbeek I mean I'd be tempted to keep it that but then looking at it from Solskjaer's perspective is he going to be playing Cavani again and then again on Sunday probably not it's it's a difficult one to call but there's there's a fine balance to that and if they get knocked out of Europe at the last 32 stage that's that, that's more pressure I mean when the next march internationals come about come around sorry um United could be out of all the cup competitions. They could also still be in them, of course, but that's just how, how drastically momentum can swing
1: um, over the next six weeks or so. Yeah, of course, and you know, how drastically it's changed since that 9-0 in Southampton. You know, the, the mood's completely different now, but it's going to be interesting to see how United do handle that week, and it's going to be interesting to see how United overcome this uh, Europa League campaign as well. So, Ty, Samuel, thank you very much for joining us today on Manchester's Red podcast. Thank you. Well, yeah. Thank you, thank you Rich. And thank you very much for listening once again. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time.